The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find. We were four Welcome back to Position Zero Month on the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to continue our month-long deep dive into one of the hottest topics in the ever-changing world of search engine optimization, Position Zero. Okay, let's get down to business. Joining us today is Courtney Cox-Wakefield, who is the head of consumer digital marketing at Children's Health Hospital, which is one of the top care facilities in the United States. In addition to her role helping to market healthcare services, Courtney is a digital marketing consultant, a speaker, and the author of a soon-to-be-released book about voice search. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Courtney, welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. Hey, Ben. Happy to be here. It's great to have you here. And honestly, it's wonderful to talk to somebody outside of the Search Metrics organization. If I have to hear <laughs> Jordan ramble on one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> Kidding aside, Jordan, I love you, buddy. Um, but it's great to have you here. And we're excited to talk to you about Position Zero and a little bit about building a content strategy specifically for Position Zero. So to get started, first off, let's talk about um, your background and your expertise. So the SEOs and digital marketers that are listening understand who you are. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I, uh, I started in the marketing industry almost 15 years ago as a graphic designer. Um, and as a part of that process, um, started learning more about web design and, um, I got a a job at a, um, gymnastics company doing some digital marketing for them. And, uh, one day my boss came in and he slid this book across my desk and he said, Hey, Courtney, I want you to learn about this SEO thing. Um, 
and the rest is kind of history. I, I read the book, fell in love with it. Um, uh, to his disappointment, um, decided to take a 20% pay cut to go to an agency at the time to intern with them uh, as a um, SEO intern. And uh, ever since then, I've been working with companies, um, clients and employers to optimize their SEO strategy and uh, really to take advantage of the things that search has to offer um, in a unique way. I'm always looking what's next, um, trying to build strategies that are going to take advantage of those things that um, the, in- the industry as a whole isn't focused on. A lot of times we get focused on best practices and we're not focused on that next thing that's going to help us to um, to build an audience outside of what the rest of the industry is focused on. So that's that's been kind of my calling card. So you mentioned that, you know, marketers aren't always focused on what the next thing is. And this month we're focused specifically on understanding position zero. Um, position zero isn't necessarily a new thing, but voice search is. And uh, I know that you're both a, you know, content expert and SEO expert and specifically focusing more and more on voice search. I want to focus in on building a content strategy that is optimized for position zero. Can you help me out and understand how to think about building a content strategy that gets you above the top of search results pages? Yeah, there's really four pillars involved in a great position zero strategy. The first is audience research, and it's the most important piece. Um, I can go a little bit into what that means in a moment. Um, There's competitor research, and then there's the content optimization and the technical optimization, which for the most part, those two things are things that people are already doing from an SEO perspective. There's a few things that differ from a technical optimization and a content optimization uh, perspective, but they're most of the things that you would do are related to general SEO um, in those two phases. The biggest uh, piece that differs for a position zero strategy is that audience and competitor research. So you said that there's four pillars. There's audience research, doing your technical optimization, your content optimization. What was the fourth piece? The competitor research. Okay, let's talk through each of those in keeping in mind that we're trying to build a position zero research Talk to me a little bit about your strategy for doing mm-hmm. audience research. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, if it's okay with you about children's health and your your role there. When you're building content for children's health, yeah, how are you thinking about your audience and how are you trying to get to position zero? So, part of the problem with um, actually, it's not a problem; it's an opportunity uh, with our uh, position zero and the way that Google decides on position zero content is that it's all about the long tail. Uh, the um, head terms that we're generally used to optimizing for for SEO, they don't work for a position zero strategy. You might get them now and then. You might get um, rankings for position zero with those head terms. But when you focus on the long tail, um, that's where you're really going to have the best results. So you don't get those types of questions that are answered in the long tail. Uh, by sitting in your desk and going to um, Google Keyword Planner or going to SEMrush and entering a bunch of terms to hopefully have the tools spit out related terms, right? Like that's not going to get you those long tail answers. The best thing to do is to get out of your office chair and go get in front of the people who are dealing with your um, customers every single day or get in front of your customers if you're able. Um, So that's people that are working the front desk, people that are working in your call center, uh, your sales teams. Um, For our um, hospital, it's working with our actual care providers to figure out what questions people are asking them. 
Um, so that's doctors, it's nurses, sometimes it's call center folks. Um, and we're asking them, what are the things that people ask the most often about this condition? Uh, what are the things that are real pain points for our customers? Um, when they ask about us as an organization, what are the things that they ask first? Um, what are the words that they use before they know what the condition they have is called or what the treatment that they need is called? Um, so for example, um, we may call it oncology, but they call it cancer. So how do we position the content that we have around um, the way that our customer speaks? That's what's the most important thing for um, for the position zero is making sure that you really understand your audience, what questions they ask and how they speak. And then the next step to that audience research is taking everything you learn, um, all the questions that people ask um, and using the correct wording and taking and putting that into Google and seeing what comes up. Um, do you get an answer box for that result? If you don't, why not? What types of results are you seeing? And are they, are they answering the question well? Um, what people also ask questions are coming up, right? Because you're never going to get 100% of the questions that people ask by doing this audience research with your team or with your customers. Um, but the good thing is Google has this tremendous treasure trove of data from the um, 20 years of search that they've um, collected. They know if somebody's asking this question that you just plugged in as the query, what their next question is and what the question that they had before that was. And so they're, they've put the people also ask questions to reduce quick clicks for the user, but it also can be a research tool for us as SEOs to say, okay, what other content do I need to be writing alongside this piece of content that I already know I need because my customers are asking for it. That's interesting. I, I appreciate, you know, when you're doing your audience research that you actually go and talk to your audience as much as, you know, I and, you know, the team at Search Metrics believe that data can solve this. There is also a qualitative component to understanding mm -hmm. the problem that you're trying to solve. I do think that when you have some general themes that you're looking at, you can use technology, data-driven tools, things like Search Metrics to be able to find the additional answers. One of the things I want to ask you about, you know, the process you're talking about feels very manual, right? Like go and talk to people in the data center, get all of the questions, go into Google, see what the next question is, see what the previous question was and create your answers. Is there a way to do this at scale? There are some scrapers you can build um, or you can use to do that. Um, if you don't have the ability to purchase really, um, big tools like search metrics or get stat. Um, we do use um, an agency who does most of this um, expansion research for us. So we will do the initial audience research and collect all the initial questions. We provide that back to the agency and they do the work to extrapolate that out. Um, I think they're using some automated tools and also some tools that they've built in-house that are scrapers to pull the people also ask questions. Um, I don't know 100% what their step-by-step um, -step process is at SEER, but I do know the way that I perform it is manual, except for one case in which I use a scraper to pull the, um, I use a scraper to pull the people also ask questions. Um, and I can send a link to you, uh, Ben, if you want to add that in the show notes for folks to use. Sure. Um, let's move on to the next topic where you mentioned first, do your audience research, understand the questions that they're asking and 
understand how the language that they're using. And then you mentioned doing competitive research. Tell me about your thoughts for competitive research as it relates to position zero. Yeah, the thing that I have found, and and I think this is true for most industries, it's certainly true for the healthcare industry, um, is that most of the sites that are ranking in position zero aren't trying very hard. Uh, they're ranking because they answer the question well-ish, and Google can understand their content well. And so they, by default, have made it into that position. But most of the time, they haven't actually attempted to get into that space. So what you're doing when you're doing this competitor research is plugging these questions in, seeing who is ranking, and then starting to um, write down the trends that you see. Are the questions, are the, are the certain types of questions that are being asked, are they in a certain format? So do you see tables more often than you're seeing um, bulleted lists for certain types of content? So for example, for recipes, if you were um, if, if you were like a cooking company, actually healthcare is, is a perfect example. Um, sometimes we write recipes that are like heart healthy or good for diabetics, um, where all of our other content, most of the time it's paragraphs or bulleted lists. Um, for recipes, they like to see numbered lists. So we're providing, we're making sure we write our content um, in a way that is a numbered list for recipes because we want to follow that trend that Google has said, this is the way that they like to see recipes written when they implement them in the uh, answer box. So are there, is there a set of guidelines that you can follow that Google's published somewhere or is this just institutional knowledge that you've built? They're not guidelines that Google has published. I mean, we know that as an industry, um, Google does not publish their algorithms, right? So we don't know what it is that they're doing to cause people to rank. Um, but we know trends that um, we can see from tools like Moz or groups like Moz who are doing these large um, sweeping um, analyses of all the data that they use or that they have from their clients, people that are using their platform to make some pretty educated guesses about what works and what doesn't work. So we know things like if you use schema, um, then Google's going to be able to better understand your content. They're going to know for a fact that this is a recipe because you wrapped it in recipe um, structured data. And they're, so then they're going to be more likely to rank you in the answer box for a recipe because they know for a fact that that's what it is. You've helped them understand your data better. Um, so that's one thing. Um, then, you know, we know that Google is moving toward more semantic search, right? Um, they've told us that. Um, and so we know we need to start writing our content in a way that's more natural. We need to write headings that are more natural. Um, they can understand those things better and they can understand that they're more natural. And so even though they haven't told us, if you make the question the H2 on the page, that's going to help you. We can deduce that that's the case because they've told us that they're moving toward natural language. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive 
by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Yeah, makes sense. Speaking in the language that people actually can consume helps Google better rank your content. Mm-hmm. Who would who would have guessed? Talk to me a little bit about some of the technical optimizations that you've made for Position Zero. You mentioned you know the schemas and formatted content, building things into your rich snippets, uh, your featured snippets. Um, talk to me about the technical component. So one of the things that uh, is really important from a technical perspective, and I alluded to this a moment ago, is making sure that um, your header structure is well-defined. So when you're pulling these questions out and developing the content for those questions, you're going to want to make sure that you're using the markup of a header for the question name, um, whether that's the H1 or the H2 or the H3 can be any um, any piece, but you're going to want to make sure that it's labeled that way so Google knows, okay, the content that comes below this is the answer to this question. And the answer to this question ends when the next heading begins. That just helps Google to crawl that in addition to your schema, um, understand how your the structure of your content works. Um, when we don't have that, when everything is just sort of uh, dumped into a rich text format and we've done... Uh, inline styling to make it look like a header, but we haven't structured it right. Um, Google has a much harder time making the decision about where the answer ends and begins. And that makes them just feel less confident about publishing your answer. And you never want Google to um, question their confidence or question the uh, legitimacy of publishing your answer as the, the position zero answer. And then everything else is the other technical optimization you hear all the time. Make sure your, your site is crawlable. Make sure that the site speed is um, strong. Make sure that um, you've got you know the right language settings for different languages of content. Right, we're developing English content and or about to launch Spanish content. So that's something we're going through right now. Um, it's all that technical optimization that you would do from an SEO perspective already. And the last piece that you mentioned in your outline for how to create a strategy, a content strategy for Position Zero, was the content optimization. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the meat and potatoes of building a content strategy for Position Zero. Yeah, we've alluded to a lot of it already. Basically, the um, all of the things that you learn from your audience research and your competitor research. So the questions that your um, that your audience is asking, how they speak, um, the ways that your competitors are uh, failing to answer the question, and uh, the ways that they are winning. Being aware of those things is going to help you to develop that content. So the first thing you're going to do is take all of the questions that you got from your research and start to group them into either page ideas or article ideas. Sometimes it's going to be a page if it's like content about um, a product, frequently asked questions about a product or service or something like that. Sometimes it's going to be like an article. So you'll group things together for that. Um, But basically, you're just going to be creating a content plan, essentially a roadmap. Um, then you're going to take all the competitor research that you had. So uh, what was working for your competitors, what wasn't, and you're going to append it to those different ideas depending on um, each individual question. So 
all of those data points uh, were already attached to a question. So you're going to make sure that that's just appended to those article ideas where those questions are used. And then you're going to start writing that content, keeping all those things in mind. And the most important thing from a competitor research piece is that you're going to make want to make sure you're answering the question. Um, you're going to meet the status quo. So you're going to answer the question as well as the competitor did. Then you're going to say, okay, how can I go above and beyond? Where did they fail? How can I make this 10 times better, five times better than what they had provided? I mean, you're going to do that with the audience research you already had. So you're going to know what questions your audience is asking that the competitor didn't answer. Um, That's the real meat and potatoes of the content optimization piece. You know, my big takeaway here is you mentioned start with your audience and, and basically build your own list of questions that they're trying to have answered you're going to take that list and look at what your competitors are doing and understanding how they've answered the question. You need to do at least as good of a job as they did to answer it. And then really the differentiation point is a lot of the the formatting and, you know, the difference between bulleted lists and numbered lists or, you know, exactly how you're submitting your content to Google. Make sure that it's wrapped in a package that Google can easily grab so it is appropriate for a position zero spot. Are there any last tips that you have for making sure that you're packaging your content in a way that Google is likely to grab it? Are there any rules of thumbs or industries and categories that you see that are specifically fitted for position zero? I think every industry can can live in position zero. Um, there's not a single product that people aren't asking questions about. Even things like toilet paper. Um, it, I've been thinking about this recently because my wife... Uh, you know, there's this whole thing with straws and sustainability with straws. And my wife was like, you know, everybody's freaking out about straws, but there's all this other stuff that we do that's completely unsustainable. Like, let's talk about toilet paper. And um, so I started doing some research on toilet paper. And actually, she ended up finding this bamboo-based toilet paper, which is interesting. Um, and even toilet paper has people also ask questions, right? Um, so it doesn't matter how banal the industry you're in is, people have questions about your products and your services, um, and you should be online answering them. There actually is a position zero placement. It's just below an ad for uh, whogivesacrap.org. Yep, and that's the company we finally ended up ordering from. There, there you go. So... A couple of things that we talked about, how to build a content strategy for position zero, starting with figuring out who your audience is, looking at your competitors, making sure that you're doing your technical optimizations, you're getting your heading right, building your content in a format that's easily accessible for Google to put into position zero, and then doing your content optimization, making sure that you're writing good answers to your questions. And you can rank ahead of whogivesacrap.org uh, for bamboo toilet paper, if you follow those steps. So, Courtney, before I let you go, talk to me about the value of position zero. When you're building out your content strategy and you're trying to get that placement above spot number one, um, do you see a, an incremental lift? Is it worth it to go through all of this pain? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question because it can go in a lot of different directions. Um, the first one I think is an interesting thing to talk about is voice search uh, because. If you do a query using Alexa or using um, Google Home and you say, um, what's the best podcast or, hey, Alexa, what's the best podcast about SEO? Um, She's not going to list 10 blue links, right? She's going to give you one answer. And whatever that one answer is, is the one that occupies the position zero space. So 
whether or not we're seeing a lift in traffic or not from uh, having the position zero on Google SERP is sort of um, um, it's sort of irrelevant as voice search starts to grow in prominence. I've, I've seen some predictions by Gartner that 30% of all searches are going to be done on a device without the screen by 2020. Um, that's a lot of searches that you're only going to be getting one answer for. And they may come up with some solutions to help you browse other answers. Um, but for the most part, you're going to get one answer. Most people, are um, when it's in a voice interaction, are not going to have the patience to scroll through 10 different answers and remember what all the different um, options were. So that's the first one. I think voice search is really important. The second one is I, I think people are going to lose traffic in some cases to um, the instant answer, right? So there's this question, lots of people are asking it on Twitter of as Google starts to answer questions on SERP, is that a problem? Should we be mad at Google for doing this? Should we be worried about our future success because of that? Um, what I would say to those people is if you are building a brand that is um, based on influence and you're really concerned with helping your clients, then it doesn't matter if Google uses your content to answer the question on SERP um, because they're still going to see that you you are the site that that answer came from and that's going to build your authority and your influence. Um, do you think Gary Vaynerchuk cares if uh, Google answers the question on the SERP as long as they uh, as long as they give him credit. No, he doesn't care about that because he's building an influence machine. He's building an audience that's going to find him no matter where he is. They're going to go to his website if they need an answer instead of going to Google because they trust him so much. And that's what we as marketers need to focus on building is trust and authority instead of focusing on building clicks, which at the end of the day are just a vanity metric if they don't lead to ROI. Um, so I think that's the other piece that's important to, to keep in mind um, you can use these answer boxes to build an audience, not just to drive traffic. Great. Lastly, before we let you go, give us a 30-second preview. You're writing a book on voice search. Tell us a little bit about it. So the book is, it's, it's a step-by-step -step guide in many ways. It helps people understand what the importance of voice search is, what the future of it is going to look like, um, how to sell it internally for folks that um, are maybe frontline staff or managers that are trying to sell it into directors. Um, and then it's a step-by-step -step guide in how to implement it. We talk a little bit about building skills, but we really are talking about um, organic first, trying to make sure that we have a great organics um, strategy first before we go into investing in um, apps or skills and actions. Um, and then we talk a little bit about measurement. How are we going to measure this moving forward? Uh, because I don't think we have a great answer about measurement for voice search yet. And I suspect that we'll start seeing a lot of applications for that coming out here soon. It sounds interesting. I'm looking forward to reading the book as soon as it comes out. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Courtney Cox Wakefield from Children's Health Hospital. We'd love to continue this conversation with you over the internet. So if you're interested in contacting Courtney, you can find a link to her bio in our show notes. Uh, if you have any general marketing questions or if you want to talk to me about this podcast, you can find my contact info in the show notes or you can tweet to me at Ben J. Schapp. That's B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. 
For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. If you're interested in learning more about how to use search data to boost your organic traffic, online visibility, or to gain insights, head over to searchmetrics.com slash diagnostic for your complimentary advisory session with our digital strategies team. If you like this podcast and you want a regular stream of SEO and content marketing insights, in addition to the rest of Position Zero week, we've got some great episodes lined up over the next few months. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed next week. Lastly, if you've enjoyed the show and you're feeling generous, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a quick review in the iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. 